0: Welcome to episode 53 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, a TV series, an anime, manga, comic book, audio show, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we discuss it. My name is Melissa.
1: (laughs) It's very exciting. (laughs)
0: Each and every week. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I'm joined, as always, by Kyle Springer. That's me. How's it going? It is you.
2: Yeah. I'm good. How are you this morning, Kyle? I am doing well. I I I think I I screwed up here <laughs> already and the uh the social media they well, No, that's No, it's not. Let me go back and fix that. And in the meantime, let's carry on the podcast. <laughs> All our it's our social media pop-ups mm. they uh we're we're not in the right spot so i don't have those today
0: so i'm you and you're me
2: it's just they're not showing up no one knows who we are despite us saying our names (laughs) it's gonna be impossible for for them even though they heard our names Mm -hmm. to figure out who's who how's it going melissa
0: I'm good. You took a couple minutes to set up the technical side of things this morning, and I used that time to shop for fanny packs.
2: Because that's what one should do with their time if they have extra
0: time. I decided I wanted one. They're back in fashion. You can sincerely embrace them now. They're not just an ironic thing. (laughs) And as a doughy Midwestern aunt, if anybody can rock a fanny pack, I think it's me. There you go. So it's about time I get one right and fresh for summer.
2: Sounds good. Uh, I I was gonna try and make some segue about the ignorance of not having a a a fanny pack and the virtue of ignorance. Uh, <laughs> there with that because what are we talking about this week, Melissa?
0: We are talking about the film Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance is a little subtitle there.
2: There you go. This
0: is a film directed by Alejandro G. Inaritu, and this came out in 2014.
2: You pronounce that way better than I w- 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 would have. <laughs> I'm terrible with names, as everyone should know by now. But yeah, uh, Birdman or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. It's mm-hmm. It's- to me, it's it's an awkward subtitle because they don't do the like Birdman colon blah 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 <laughs> blah or whatever it is. It's, it's literally optional. Birdman or, or and then. in
0: Take your pick.
2: Parentheses, yeah. So when when you're like looking for this f- f- film on like Wikipedia or you know just d- d- different websites and stuff like that, sometimes it's under Birdman, sometimes it's as Birdman or. <laughs> and that's it. And it's just like, what? How is? The, why would you put that in there? That's not you. You don't, you, you don't even need oh, that.
0: <laughs> it's no precedence. There's the Shakespeare play, Twelfth Night, or what you will.
2: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We watched Birdman this week. Mm-hmm. Um. For those of you guys who have not seen it, uh, let's do let's do a little bit of a synopsis, and we can give a yes. general impression Impressions on this thing.
0: This is a movie where Michael Keaton is playing, much like him in his real life, an actor that used to be a superhero in this huge blockbuster superhero movie franchise. And he stepped away from that. He didn't agree to do, you know, Birdman 4. And he's been trying to be a serious actor. And he is in the middle of trying to write produce, direct, and star in a Broadway drama play, not a musical, straight play. And the movie follows him trying to get this play off the ground and dealing with this, like, past career sort of still looming over him. Like, when he goes Mm -hmm. out in public, people are like, do I know you? Oh, you were Birdman, weren't you? I loved Birdman. Birdman was fantastic 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So it's about art. It's about power. Your past life coming back to get you. It's about understanding others. There's a lot of subplots about his fellow actors and his Pursuit daughter of works.
2: Meaning, as
0: his, yes, his daughter works as his personal assistant, and oh, it's this neat little like a straight drama but it's got this kind of fantastical element to him where he fantasizes about being birdman about doing what birdman can do and flying around the city
2: yeah there's this magical realism to Mm, it yes things that shouldn't be happening are happening but they're happening in the real world like this is not a fantasy world and so it's 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 weird to see we don't know exactly if that's really how it happened um, Not in like a, mm-hmm. oh, this is trippy and it's going to be a mindfuck way, but just like stuff that is happening is often representations of yes. things that he's thinking or things that he's feeling and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily actually what happened, but it's a metaphor or a re- representation of that, mm-hmm. uh, which is neat. Which so That sounds yeah. all artsy fartsy and stuff like that. Um,
0: it is. I don't remember if this movie, I forgot to look up if this actually won anything, but I know this was like a big critical darling, and I know it was nominated for a lot of awards,
2: at least. Their Wikipedia page is huge. Mm. Uh, c- critical it's response. a lot to say about lot. this movie. Yeah, accolades. Let's see. At the 87th Academy Awards, Birdman won four Academy Awards Best Picture, Best Director, oh. Best Original Screenplay, and Best Cinematography. Uh, Michael Keaton was nominated for Best Actor. Edward Norton and Emma Stone were nominated in Best Supporting Acting Great. categories. And it also received nominations for Sound and editing and sound mixing.
0: Okay. I've got um, my brother's Blu-ray copy here. This must have been That's released before the awards because it doesn't say like best picture award winner here on the box. Yeah. So I didn't know if it actually took anything home or not.
2: Um, The other little accolade sentence thing it says here is Caton received his first Golden Globe Award wedding for best actor in a motion picture musical or comedy at the 72nd golden globe awards the film also won the golden globe award for best screenplay mm-hmm. uh so there you go it did win a lot oh. of stuff
0: it's it's great this was a movie i i saw in theaters i think i rented once just after it came out on home video but i hadn't seen since then and it was a movie that stuck with me and last week, I pitched you a series of original and unconventional superhero films, yeah. which I feel like this kind of counts as. And you told me you'd never seen it before. So I'm yeah, curious this,
2: what your thoughts were. This didn't make it on my radar when it first came out. I don't really know why. Maybe I had my head down in something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it never really caught my attention until after, and it was like a year or two after, and it's like, wait, what? You <laughs> haven't seen this film? Why? Wh- wh- where were you? And I was just, I, I, I don't know, dude. I, it, you know, um, mm-hmm. so it it's been on my list of I should pr- probably watch that film at some point. Uh, and then you pitch it, so I was like, now is my chance. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Uh, and so that's what we did. We watched Birdman, and I loved it. Good, I'm I glad. I thought this was fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so entertaining.
2: Um, n- Not necessarily related, but I happened to watch an episode of Harvey Birdman, a t- Attorney at Law. <laughs> also this weekend, I watched the first oh, episode of that. Oh, what a good double feature. It <laughs> has, has nothing to do with this, but I thought it was, it was fun- funny that they're both named Birdman. Um, oh. So yeah. Let's uh let's dive into a little bit of housekeeping uh mm-hmm. for a a second here, and then we will get into spoilers. Uh, last week, what did we cover last week, Melissa? Last week
0: we covered Spencer and Locke. Yeah,
2: Spencer and Locke was a cool little graphic novel. Uh, that the co- concept is ba- basically what if Calvin and Hobbes from the. Co- from the comics g- grew up to become hard-boiled detectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it is a crime story. It's a noir detective story, but they it's all based off of characters that you know from Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, uh, and it was a lot of fun. So we go, we recommend you go ch- check out that comic book and also check out our mm-hmm. episode on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we just did that. We've released some pretty rad episodes of The Captain's Log recently. I think by the time this is released, you can listen to our episode just talking for like 45 minutes straight about the new Disney Plus streaming service.
2: Oh, yeah. It was was a little (laughs) bit more than 45 minutes straight. It was like an hour and a half. (laughs) But, um, yeah, we did that. We also recently released a Patreon-exclusive episode of... Uh, the Whatnots review show of this mm-hmm. show here, all about Batman Beyond uh, and his his story there. We covered a couple episodes of Batman Beyond as well as an episode of Justice League Unlimited to kind of round things out. But they all have to do with Batman Beyond uh patreon.com slash the whatnots is where you can support us you can get access to the live streams of this show uh which is what we are doing right now uh Mm. as well at the three dollar level you can get access to those exclusive episodes uh and i believe that is all the housekeeping for now Let's get mm-hmm. into spoiler alert and see if my spoiler alert thing yes. is working. And no, it is not. So, pew, pew, pew. Spoiler mm. alert. Right now, things are happening. Um, I'll, I'll have to go fix all of the graphics. I, I cleaned off my computer, and I moved a couple things uh-huh. around, and that's why it's like I hit the button. It's like, hey, it's not located where <laughs> you told us it's located. And I didn't fix that. So, there we go spoiler alert time right here right now in effect um where do you want to start with this because this is an interesting one
0: i want to start with the superhero aspect of it okay which is on the more minor side of the entire story overall it's more Mm -hmm. like that's just kind of this framing device that it uses it's this piece of backstory yeah, it's the setup, but it's not – this isn't a superhero movie. It's just a movie about a man who was a superhero once and has this, like, superhero, like, alter ego that mm. just, like – comes like, it's this voice. You hear this voice talking to him, and it's not until, like, the last half hour of the movie that the voice – Materializes itself into Birdman, and it's Birdman following the actor around. Like, we used to be big, we could do it again.
2: <laughs> One day, we shall have our vengeance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, the first time I saw this movie, and again, like as I was watching it again this time, I kept wanting it to take a turn into being more super heroic. Not that I don't love what it is with the superheroism, just as that like setup, but I would love to see a version of this movie where Edward Norton is not just an antagonist but a villain.
2: Uh, okay, were were, you, were 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 you looking for more? I I I. I... Yes, what you said makes sense in the classic <laughs> comic book sense where there's the hero and the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I, I was going to ask if you were looking for more like action rather than like f- philosophical. Like, no, where's no, not meaning like in that. life? And-
0: <laughs> not like that. It's not like I want them to fight more. It's that Riggin, that's his character, is the uh-huh. protagonist of the story. He's the hero. And then in comes Edward Norton. I think his character is just named Mike.
2: Yep. <laughs> I believe so. Mike Shiner.
0: Yeah, and in comes Mike, and who's kind of taking over. I mean, he kind what, of is the
2: I mean he, he is an antagonist in one sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's a foil to Rigan in a lot of ways. But the way Rigan kind of thinks of himself as a hero, I wanted it to take the turn where he looks at Mike and thinks of Mike as his villain. Like, I kind of wanted the superhero metaphor to expand to everything else that's going on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Especially because Mike seems like such an opposite to Riggin. Okay, this is something I have been, I'm have i so happy I have this podcast now because this is something I've been thinking about for years. Yes. And finally, I have a place to talk about it. Hit me with it. They're, they are <laughs> set up to be these two opposing forces, not unlike hero and villain right batman and joker you know spider-man greed goblin what have you there's the theme of truth or dare throughout the movie Mm
1: -hmm. like that's
0: what um his daughter sam like she asks mike when they're hanging out up on the roof okay let's play truth or dare mike is all about truth all he wants to do is find the truth in the scene like he's furious that he's supposed to play this drinker and they give him water and he's like no you give me gin. I'm going to drink gin on stage because this has to be real. He's all about truth. And Rigan is so bold. He's so experimental. He's he's daring. I think there might even be a spot somewhere in the movie where somebody's like, Rigan, you know, how dare you? Or boy, this is like a real bold dare you're doing. I don't remember, but I seem to think somebody like says dare in relation to him at some point. So they are these opposed forces kind of
2: coming towards each other i think i would almost argue the opposite Hmm. um and and, and and you're you're not wrong i i think in one sense yes they like that's who the characters are like uh mike wants the he he, he wants to find the truth on stage but i think reagan is looking for Tr- like more truth in life and meaning yes. to life and so to me it's it's that weird thing of yeah uh Mike is the one who's more daring he's the one mm-hmm. who's willing to pull all of these Your stunts on stage yeah. to to make it happen to to make things happen and and when he is actually playing truth or dare when he's in actual real life he seems scared and so he kind of defaults to uh, just ask me a question, and no. know, I'm not going to do a- anything No, 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 that's wild. not
0: the thing, is that he's like, truth is always more interesting. Dares are boring. Ask right. me a question. He's right. not chickening it's... out. He's like, this is, like, the wilder thing for us to do. Ask me truths.
2: Yeah, so I I, I, I don't disagree with you there. I, I think you're right, but it's this weird, uh, like, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word in, he, in this character but like it, this idea that he is it seems like he's one way on stage and the, the opposite way off this, the mm-hmm. stage and so that's why it's like you you, you like you see him as this one thing and I was maybe initially going to argue them as as something or I did initially argue for them as something else but they are both
1: yeah and, and isn't
2: that oddly kind of the same
0: yeah, and is, like, isn't that just the superhero-supervillain thing? Like, you're not so different, you and I. Like, you yeah. could have turned into me. Don't say that. We'll never be alike. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted the metaphor that Riggan has for himself and that kind of fuzzy, because it's not 100% a, a clear mm-hmm. these are all fantasies. Yeah. I mean, it seems very unlikely that he is just flying around New York City and nobody does anything about it. Like, that one's a fantasy. There are definitely are things that are fantasies, but I would not say that every fantastical thing is a fantasy, necessarily. Yeah. It's ambiguous like that, which I liked, and I wanted to see how far they were going to stretch that. And if it would take a turn into, okay, you think he's just kind of... You know, stressed out by his job and he needs an escape and he sort of pretends he has these superpowers because if he's stuck with this Birdman legacy hanging over him, you know, he might as well use it. You might as well, like, oh, well, if Birdman can float, I can float. I wanted to see how far that would be stretched and how far it would turn. Mm-hmm. If he's got that, does anybody else have something like that? I wanted to see... The superheroism like if, stretched to beyond just him.
2: Like if, if Edward Norton was also chasing some kind of role that he had in the past or 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 something like that? Like I don't it, know. It, or like
0: if somebody looked at him and I'm like, okay, Mr. Superhero, I'm your like if he decl- if Mike declared himself like the villain or something like that. I don't okay. know exactly how it would go. But oh, I, gotcha. I was the when I first saw the movie, I'm like, come on, more superhero stuff. And there's Other bits of it too, like the, uh, Zach Galifianakis as Mm -hmm. the friend is the producer, like one of the first bits he has in the movie when they are hiring Mike to replace that guy. He's like, ask me this, ask me if he sells tickets, ask me if the critics love him. And then at the end, (laughs) Reagan has shot himself. And uh, like Zach Galifianakis, I forget his name is like trying to assure him the play is going to do well. He's Jake. Okay. He's like, I can see the future. And the future is big bucks for the rest of this play. Like, he's almost got, if it was not this story, if this story did not have that super heroic kind of setup for Mm -hmm. it, I wouldn't think twice about any of this. But I was looking at everybody like, if this was some sort of a superhero opera Like okay, he seems
2: like a mix between like an Alfred kind of caretaker character, as well as like the immediate sidekick,
0: or he's like like an oracle or something. Yeah,
2: which is like the the like caretaker person in the chair, like, hey, here's what you need to do, here's where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll fix you up when, you know, when things go wrong. But he's he's also like, I'm the one keeping this ship a aflo- 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 afloat, you know? He's 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 also there fighting too, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Just not necessarily yeah. in the limelight.
0: Yeah. Like the I, hero. Yeah, this watch around I was looking at everybody like, what if they too had some sort of a superpower? Like the um Uh, The blonde woman I think her name is Leslie like she says something like I feel like I'm just a little girl like I feel like I'm not grown up yet I need somebody to tell me you've made it big like I know I have but I need to hear that to really believe it to stop feeling like just a, a kid doing play acting. And maybe it's because we just saw Shazam, but but I, you know, like I'm looking at everybody. Like, what's your superhero persona? Were this to expand to being the entire cast and not just the protagonist,
2: yeah, the one that doesn't feel like they belong, Mm -hmm. but they do. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's an an interesting look at it. Of like who who fits into all of those roles there it's um I I I I saw Riggin Mike and uh Riggin's daughter was her name Sam by Emma mm-hmm. Stone yeah those three I feel like were the the like opposing viewpoints so yes. to speak if if that makes sense like you you have Riggin who is kind of chasing after this ha <sighs> ha high like he has this this past success that he he wants to uh recapture the magics how to speak and he kind of in that truth or dare metaphor uh is is as you said he's he's the one that's more about the dead 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 um you know he's he's looking for that 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 next stunt um then you have edward norton's character who's almost the opposite who who is more like let's live in the moment it's not about mm-hmm. it's not it's not about the past um it's 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 more about just doing things as they come and mm-hmm. living right here right now and now, now and then there's the daughter which is like none of it it's real it's all meaningless Look, you're, yeah. you've gotten mm-hmm. 80,000 likes because you're in your underwear. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> Nothing. You're an idiot. That's what it means. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and it, it's it's these like three points on a triangle, which are like mm-hmm. all the different v- v- value points of the same thing, um, which is what I, I, I saw. And they were all in mm. their own way kind of chasing the truth or like what is the yeah. truth truth what is meaning in Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. is it this big moment of success is it just being there or yeah uh you know is there is it actually meaningless
0: Mm -hmm. yeah like they're all trying to find some place of contentedness like when are you done when have you worked hard enough when do you rest Mm -hmm. when do you throw away or have achieved all of your wants and you don't need anything else. And there's no constant like nagging, you know, hunger in you to do something to do fame or art or drugs or whatever.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. I, I I I I liked those three, like Mm -hmm. the, the dynamic between those three, um, yeah i like you you already m- mentioned it too there's that scene where the the w- woman is is crying being like i feel like like I, I i used to be a little child wanting to be here now i am here but i still feel like a little yeah. child who doesn't belong mm-hmm. um and I, I i i think that's also kind of within that kind of p- pursuit of like hey, what is the meaning in life and stuff like that? I I, I feel like that's, that's an, that's an, uh, I just, my mind just went (laughs) blank on the word that I'm supposed to say. That is a common uh, reaction to people, I I think who have found it or have found their niche, Mm -hmm. right? Or just like, hey, you're actually good at this and you're doing it. That's a lot more than most people People can say, and yet mm-hmm. you still don't feel like you belong. And you, 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 you yeah, know, there's this imposter yep. Sinj sin, Jerome. There, that I think she has, and I think that's super common. And to mm-hmm. see someone who's in the middle of the, of this thing or, or just got off stage, you know, on on after this thing, and they, it was a terrifying moment, but at the same time, from the audience's perspective they didn't really know what was going on yeah per se like they Mm -hmm. them they just saw this this really emotionally raw scene Mm -hmm. um and so from their perspective everything was fantastic this was like this is exactly how the theater should be you know we we had this connection but behind the, the 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 scenes you get this woman who just had this this traumatic experience all in the name of art kind of yeah and 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 she's she's not necessarily worried about that she's more worried about herself and that she hasn't made it like Mm -hmm. she's not necessarily good enough or or something like that it's people's anxieties especially in Artists of just like self doubt mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I, I know I-, I have them all all <laughs> oh, all, yeah. all all the time, um, but it's it like it's it's weird and it's it's sometimes hard to follow. Just like what, why are you why are you even thinking a- a b- b- mm-hmm. about this? Like there's absolutely no reason for you, and yet we still do that. Mm-hmm. No, strange.
0: Yeah, especially in her
2: circumstances. Great scene, though. Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just know, especially in her circumstances, where it's really. Regan seems like he's pretty good to his castmates. Like he's very stressed, and he's very like, kind of tense about the whole thing. But he's not like super bossy or super disrespectful or anything. It's really just that he's kind of in his own head and Mm -hmm. maybe not always paying real close attention to anybody. But when you get him and you get him and Mike yelling at each other, it's like they are, they have taken over the show and the other two actresses, because it's just a four person cast, this show within the show, this play that they're doing inside the movie. Mm -hmm. The other two, like the two actresses are just kind of like, well, we're along for the ride then I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you said me thinking i i think the subtitle the unexpected virtue of ignorance kind of applies to the audience of the play itself uh-huh. because the audience seems like they're having a good time like there's all this tension about whether or not this play is going to take off but it seems like whenever we hear bits of chatter from the audience that they are enjoying themselves you hear laughter you hear applause they seem like they are getting what they are supposed to get out of this play. Except for and maybe
2: the first time that they do it when oh. things go horribly <laughs> wrong and they're just like, yeah. what
0: was that? Yeah, like maybe not the first time, the one where Mike just stands up and starts screaming that he was giving water instead of yeah. gin. Not that time, but like the other previews and the opening night, the rest of the times I feel like the audience is having a good time. Because they have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't know what a mess everything is. They don't know that all these actors are a wreck trying to get this thing put together and they don't need to know the, you know, the actors don't want them to know. So the fact that that's taken out of the equation for them and they don't have to worry about it. It's not like the movie is saying like, if only the audience knew like how terrible everything is and they're sitting there laughing and clapping. Like, yeah, like the point of this is for the audience to have a good time, and they do mm-hmm. because they don't know what's going on behind the scenes.
2: Which, which, yeah, is is an interesting thing because, like, oftentimes you want to connect with the mm-hmm. a- audience and have them understand, like, what your good point. G- g- if if you could only understand, maybe you would understand this character better mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, which, yeah doesn't necessarily always play out the, the, the way you would want it t- to right yeah mm-hmm. like you have you have this this ignorance if, if, if you're on that side of the c- c- mm-hmm. c- curtain uh, so how to speak um, so yeah it's it's fascinating. I want to talk similarly about the kind of relationship between uh, I I guess, critic in in, in the yeah. audience in in that, cause that's also a similar thing like mm-hmm. here like in in the m- m- movie there is uh the one critic i forget what her name was
0: um oh tabitha
2: yes tabitha mm-hmm. dickinson i see it here mm-hmm. on on the thing um but she like there's also this struggle of not only like appeasing audiences but then Getting a good review so that down the road Mm -hmm. more audiences will come. And Mm -hmm. the thing is with critics or even like what we're doing here on this podcast is we're Mm -hmm. dissecting things. We actually are trying to like infer things that are happening behind the curtain Mm -hmm. to maybe better understand it and something like that. To some people, they could care less about that stuff and it's like it's just a fucking movie who 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 Mm -hmm. cares you you know um and there's this i i I like this not idea or backlash but this kind of notion that you don't need to pick everything apart you can just Mm -hmm. sit there and enjoy it You, you you don't need to you know Find the minute detail and find the meaning in in that stuff. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you just need to sit there and watch it. Or some, yeah. sometimes the movie is meaningless. You know, mm-hmm. it's the it's the exact same little triangle that they they have there. So I I thought that was fascinating.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, what Tabitha specifically has against this against this production because she told she tells Reagan. I'm going to destroy this. I'm going to tear your play apart before Mm -hmm. she's even seen it, before she really knows anything about it. Because he is this big Hollywood actor who maybe hasn't been a big Hollywood actor in some years, but he is a household name more or less still. And she's upset that he is just coming in there, like trying to do a play. And she thinks he's like you're not really doing this for the sake of theater, for the sake of art. You just want to, you know, put on this little show for yourself. And oh, you know, you wrote it, and you directed it, and you starred
2: in it. And it, kind of right, I, like he she, he is chasing this past success that he 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 had, and he th- he thinks he's maybe lost his time on the big screen. But hey, he can still make it on Broadway and do something that way.
0: He's not doing it. He wants the play to be successful. Not so that he will be successful. He wants the play to be successful because that's what he wants to do. It's not like, oh, if I could only get back in the limelight, maybe this will work. It's like, no, I've always wanted to tell the story. I love acting. I want to direct. Like He is sincerely making an art project. And Tabitha is looking at it like, oh. This is just your latest venture to get, you know, riches and fortune. And I hate you for it. And I'm gonna tear you apart so that nobody else tries to do this.
1: The vitriol.
0: <laughs> yeah, she is angry at him because of not what the play is or what he is doing now, but because of what he has done. And it seems like that's Regan's whole struggle is that he wants people to stop thinking about him as old Regan. He's like he cannot get a fresh start. He cannot be looked at Mm-hmm. Only in the context of what he is currently doing. He has this huge past that he cannot shake off his shoulders. It's like this massive pair of wings stuck to his back. It can let him fly, but it's also so heavy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's weighing him down, so to speak, too. Um, I wanted to move into, like, the way this was filmed.
0: Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the technical side of it. Yeah
2: Um, because this is something you don't see very much of in Hollywood, or if you do, it's only for an extended, like, scene rather than an entire movie. This looks Mm -hmm. like it was, like, one single long shot, and the whole movie is this one shot. And that's kind of part of the magic of it, Mm -hmm. part of the magical realism. Yeah. Because it really feels like it only takes two hours to watch this thing, but within the movie, th- like t- like time is actually progressing and changing. Yeah, like, There's been it, months in there, but it, it's it looks like mm. it's all one shot.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's,
2: obviously it's not, but
0: even not months. I, I think it definitely takes place over the course of at least like a couple days, yeah, and there are scenes like where like the cameras panning around the city and it goes up to the sky and you see just like all of a sudden it's dawn when it was night and then it pans back down and it's back into the story again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if another movie that does use these long shots like this also has it take place over that amount of time. I feel like if you're doing one long shots you're also doing real time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, cuz I, I like I i'm not familiar with if any other big movies really there use that. is
0: um the scene there that was i'm
2: a... thinking of is uh the hallway fight scene from old boy
0: oh i haven't seen old
2: boy i it's was one, it's just one big long fight scene that goes on for five minutes and it's ridiculous and it's fantastic and i go ahead
0: No, I was saying I was thinking of the opening scene from Serenity. Okay. I think that's the most recent long shot I've seen. And then there's an Alfred Hitchcock movie from however many decades
2: ago called Rope, I think is is what that that one is. Is that the locked room one?
0: No, he doesn't do locked room ones. I think it's Rope, which is the one that is shot like this. It's all long shots like that. Interesting. I think that's the
2: right movie. Uh, have you seen first season of Marvel's Daredevil show? I have
0: seen Daredevil, yes. So
2: that hallway fight scene in mm-hmm. a- episode two is an o- o- homage okay. to the the one in Old b- b- Boy. Um, and and the original Korean Old Boy one. Not the, the one that Spike Lee made. That one's not as good. Sorry, Spike Lee. Um, but uh, yeah, like... I, I, I really like that technique because mm-hmm. it really does make you feel like you are there within these cramped yes. hallways behind the scenes of the play. But yeah, like I said, it adds to, to this magical realism mm-hmm. that you're you're seeing time change, but you're not at the same mm-hmm. time. Like it just within the simple act of them opening a door, door, and going, you know, outside, the day has changed. It's the yeah. Next, it's the next day, even though it it looks like it's just two seconds, and then they go out outside. It's fantastic. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, there is a recent video game that does this. It's. God of war, 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 and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's that like third person behind the shoulder, uh, okay. and it's just, it's one single shot. They 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 do the loading screens very cleverly, where it it hides it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like oh, okay, you're kind of zooming out here, and it's looking like you know this might be something where it's loading in the background or certain certain actions when you like lift up a door or or something it's a little bit of a longer animation Mm -hmm. so i can see you loading things you know within that time frame but it it has this uh this appeal where it, it it feels like it puts you right there in the action which is i i think fantastic
1: Yeah.
0: And what this and that drum score Mm -hmm. have to it is this real sense of urgency and of tension and of this like pounding heartbeat kind of, which is the kind of the attitude of the whole movie and like where the protagonist is like. You know, they are counting down the days until opening night and it has to go perfectly because this is a make it or break it situation. And just like the tight, cramped hallways and the cameras is kind of whipping around through it and like following everybody is just like running up and down the stairs backstage with that like pounding drum score. It yeah. does make you feel like really tense. Yeah,
2: it's v- it's a very anxious Type of it like, is. score. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. they all this technical stuff makes it feel anxious, like it's supposed to feel.
2: Yeah, I mean, because they they mm-hmm. are like that's the thing. When when you're putting on a play, and you 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 kind of need to get things mm-hmm. moving. You need to get things. Rolling, you need to change into your next outfit and change your makeup and mm-hmm. do this and move the set, you know, back behind there and stuff. And there's there's almost no time to stop, which is basically what the the way this was filmed made you feel like like there there is no time to to stop and consider this stuff. It's just yeah, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. Mm-hmm. This is a really claustrophobic movie kind of good word
0: like the the theater they're in has a lot of like really tight hallways and Mm -hmm. tiny spaces and there's like the scene with mike and leslie like under the sheets in the bed on stage there's a lot of small spaces and so much of this movie does take place inside that theater and sometimes they go outside but i'd say the entirety of this movie takes place within like two blocks of each other yeah over a couple days it's really compressed
2: yeah very much so you're not so.
0: working with a lot of space you're not working with a lot of time the camera angles are always like really close like you mm. know when you feel like you're a part of the movie you know you don't have any elbow room working in the space like you are kind of crammed in there along with the yeah. actors exactly and there's also that cl- like narrative claustrophobia of Riggin cannot get out from under his past like the and like there's the counting down to opening night and making sure it goes well there's like he's being compressed on both sides like he can't get out from underneath anything
2: mm-hmm. good stuff uh, did, did you have like because this this is also one for cinematography stuff did mm. you have a favorite scene or a favorite <sighs> moment of the film film that you wanted to touch on.
0: Mm. I want to talk real briefly about the the fantasy sequences when they get really fantastical. Sure. Because the first shot of the movie, I think, is him levitating. You yes. know, he just sort of like got his arms crossed, got his legs crossed, like he's meditating or something like that. But he's floating yeah. like three feet off the ground. I
2: almost forgot that scene. By the, the yeah. The, end of it
0: and like he kind of waves his hand and then like a door will slam or the tv will go on or off yeah and uh like the lighting rig crashes on the guy who originally has mike's part and it falls down on him and riggan's like i that made wasn't that happen
1: accident.
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't was an like, accident <laughs> okay riggan like there's it's just sort of like camera tricks and timing and like little things like that. All of these fantastical representations of his powers. Yeah. And then it goes into the full superhero battle briefly <laughs> for a couple of minutes, like towards the end of the film. And it looks gorgeous. It does look like any Spider-Man movie or anything. And it's got these, you know, flaming meteors and this giant, like mecha dragon, like screaming down at him, breathing fire. Mecha bird. It's, it's very suddenly there, and then it's very suddenly gone. Yeah. Still all within the one-shots. Like, it never breaks that technical format they're doing, but it just suddenly gets amped up to, okay, now here's the superhero
2: blockbuster, and now we're just going to turn the dial back down to straight lace drama. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I liked a lot of those scenes, too, but I liked the more subtle fant- fantasy Yeah. Scenes scenes because that's the stuff that i feel like fucks with you it's Mm -hmm, like wait mm -hmm. is is he actually doing that you know the whole the whole thing of the light falling and 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 him being like yeah that that wasn't an accident you know it's like wait did we didn't actually see him be like whoa he be gb magical powers fall on him you know (laughs) um like it just it seems to just happen yes but then it's his comment after that is huh okay um one of my favorite scenes (laughs) is when he goes into the liquor store and uh he comes back out and there's the crazy guy which was that the guy that got hit with the no that was not the guy that got hit with the thing right
0: what guy who got hit with a thing? The, oh, they they no, no. Oh, the, oh, the, the actor? Yeah. No, no, no. We see him very briefly later. Like he like, shows he's, up he's in, in, in his wheelchair, wheelchair and right? neck okay. brace, which yeah. is like this tiny plot thread that gets nudged over to the side because like yeah. it's not Riggins' job to deal with. It's Jake's job to deal with and we never really watched Jake go deal with yeah. it.
2: So, I, 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 I really like that scene because you have the drum score yes. that's go- going on in the back <laughs> around. And then you seemingly have another layer to that score of this kind of vocal, uh, like beat poem kind of thing. I, I, I forget. I, I, for, I, I felt like that was a poem from something or from some other script. And I recognized it.
0: Yeah or if it's like a biblical you know verse or it something like that something or a famous quote like it is I,
2: something I can't think of any of the lines yeah. he was saying in that no. scene but like he he walks into the liquor store and it's 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 beautiful I've never yes. seen a more beautiful little corner liquor store with all of those fairy lights yeah. and stuff like that it's 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 literally magical it's and gorgeous yeah, you hear this stuff, but then he walks out of the building and you see that it's not, you, you know, just an audio track that's mm-hmm. happening. There is someone out on the street yeah. literally performing that poem or, or, or that v- v- verse, mm-hmm. you know, and th- like I, I, I feel feel like that's a scene that i'm gonna to have to go back and watch again to really figure out what is happening there's so much going on there's a lot of parallels uh be- between what is happening with riggan and what is happening in the play and what is happening um like in that one scene and what is being spoken and it's like it's this kind of moment where he comes into contact with this and i i do think it's really really a fourth wall breaking but fourth mm-hmm. wall for riggin where i think he yes. kind of starts to understand like wait is this play just about me is everything <laughs> just reflecting my life here what is going on um and it's yeah it's this really powerful scene like that is the kind of acting that I feel like I would see on the like highest of thespian <laughs> stages you know you, you know what I it's mean great. And like, yeah and it's it's a fantastic scene and he just comes into contact with it and he almost seems skeptical
0: I'm yeah like, is this
2: really happening it what? yeah, yeah. you know
0: there's a I think Riggan is questioning what's happening as much as the audience is questioning what's happening mm-hmm. but in like different ways
2: yeah yeah,
0: like of course we know that the you know the man yelling on the street is going to parallel what's going on with him, but he stops and he's like, "Are you talking about me? What's going on here?" Yeah, I I like that he does that too. I'm I also, just a crazy, I also crazy man. <laughs> I also just want to stop and say I like how this movie treats New York City because I feel like that's a place that's can be depicted like very sort of shiny and dreamy and idealistic or very like gritty and grimy. And this just sort of seems very natural. Like there are, you know, there's a dirty guy yelling in the street, but there's also like, you know, when Regan fantasizes that he's Birdman flying around and he's standing on a roof ledge, there's a man who comes up and, like, tries to talk him down and is, like, you know, holding gently on his arm, like, hey, are you making okay? one of those movies? <laughs> <laughs> there's that lady who's screaming at him, and then there's the man trying to talk him down, like, is there somebody I can call for you? Are you feeling okay? I like how New York was not, like... Oh, it wasn't all heroes or all villains. It was like true, honest, you know, bystanders, whether they're yelling at you or there to support you.
2: So New York is also kind of that microcosm of yeah. the stage where everything is cramped. You know, the mm-hmm. hallways are narrow, yes. the streets are knit. Ne- like every one of all types are, are just packed in right there. Yeah. You have the the rich people going to see the theater. You have the homeless people right outside. You Mm -hmm. you, you, you know they're all just right there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I thought it was a lovely portrayal of the city. It's not just technically beautifully shot. Oh, it just felt like Mm -hmm. honest and nice and not too far into either shiny or grimy.
2: Like right down the middle. I also really liked. Uh, the scene when he gets locked out of the yes! building, uh, which is kind of one of the more comedic moments in the mm-hmm. thing, because you know immediately it's like, all right, he's gonna have to like yeah. take his robe off and wander around naked and get back in. Yeah. Uh, and but it it adds to the like surrealism of the play yes. once he gets yes. back in because the, he's. I mean, obviously, the play is mimicking what's happening in his real Mm -hmm. life, but um, it's—I say real life in air quotes—because again, this is all just a movie. But Mm -hmm. uh, he, instead of being an actor who's in a wig, who was in the storm on his way to confront Mm -hmm. his lover who's cheating on him, he's—he's. kind of now actually become that character he's it's it's that moment where it really solidifies that he 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 has become him he's been out in the rain yeah just like the character was supposed to be he's confused he's wondering what's going on he's at his wits end exactly like he's he's going crazy and he feels like someone else is now Taking it all from him
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, that he, you know, uh, Mike Shiner was the character's name of Ed, of uh, Ed- Edward. No, 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 no. Edward Norton's character mm-hmm. who's like come in and he's starting to steal the show, you know. Yeah. Um, and this is a scene where it it, it it just gets that much more surreal to see him from this different perspective because they they get out of the bed in that scene and look towards the door he's not there he's not there yeah (laughs) and he's in the audience and the crowd also like has no idea what's going on but at the same time it makes for this really Mm -hmm. interesting theatrical scene which i feel like is 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 something that I've seen theater do before where it's like they come out like yes. the back door behind the a- a- audience and stuff so it really makes you feel like you're in the middle of this mm-hmm. scene. I've 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 been t- 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 to like Three plays in my life. I've been and to I a
0: ton of plays, and two I have of them seen have that. been the
2: exact same one <laughs> on accident. And Ugh. yeah, and like, I, 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 even then, I feel like they've utilized that, which mm-hmm. is maybe a more modern concept of like Ow. coming in behind the audience or behind, like, you know, not stage left or stage right or the, you know, this, this, this on stage, right? Mm-hmm. They're not all, all, always just right. There in front of you, and so I think it adds this, uh, just this this new perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that scene a lot. First of all, when he he gets out into Times Square, he's going past all of those like <laughs> costume characters who are there for like Spider-Man
2: unofficially. There, it's, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's just a guy who bought a costume and is like, "I'll take a picture with your kid for five bucks." <laughs> yeah. He runs past. Spider-Man and Iron Man both huh. in the same scene two years before Civil War comes out, <laughs> which might be something that only ta- entertains me and the one friend I texted. But I thought that was neat. Yeah,
2: I mean, we do get that, <laughs> that superhero fight later yeah. on when, when the drum line is out there on stage mm-hmm. and Spider-Man is fighting Iron Man. <laughs> I,
1: yeah, and like I
0: think that's the one point that deviates from the technical – format of the entire film is after Regan uh, shoots himself. and it's this kind of dreamlike interstitial between him shooting himself on stage and him in the hospital bed. And you see these like little fragmentary shots of like things we've seen throughout the movie and things he's told us from his past. Like he talks about after he had that big fight with his wife, he wanted to try and drown himself and he walks into the sea and he gets stung by so many jellyfish and he's just throwing them off and panicking and like running back onto the sand. Like, forget it. I I, I didn't agree to do this with jellyfish there. And so you see the shot of just a bunch of jellyfish on the beach. Like that sort of dreamlike thing where like you know, it takes the people from out in Times Square and it puts them on the stage with him. Yeah that's
2: that's a neat break from it that old dreamlike bit it, yeah i mean it's it's another one of those surreal moments because mm-hmm. c- c- it's very chaotic and i feel like it's supposed to mimic how he's feeling but yeah it's, also... it's that
0: like life flashes before your eyes when you're dying it's like a mm-hmm. portrayal of that but it's not like Oh, remember all the, you know, remember when my daughter was
2: born. Remember, necess- you know, yeah, when I It's not necessarily did this. his memories. There's just all of yeah. this, like, nonsensical stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, the uh, I walked past a marching band on the street, like, two days ago. And that's yeah. what I see before I die.
2: Yeah. Um. <laughs> but I, I, so I, you mentioned the jellyfish scene and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That was, like, the flashes of that. Because I think we also get one of those at the start of the film, too oh okay um and i kind of took that to be more of the thread of sam i believe that was her Mm -hmm. name right uh yeah um where her perspective is the everything is meaningless this whole uh like pursuit to make art is meaningless thing is is i I think her 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 thing and it's like Mm -hmm. hey there's real stuff out in the world happening our beaches are dying. The, you know, there's this, mm-hmm. this pollution and stuff. Because it, it looked kind of like one of those scenes. And that's what I took it as. Huh. Of like, oh, there's these dead things that have washed up on the beach. Uh, you know, there's, there's actual, like, world problems out there. And mm-hmm. you're concerned with playing a some fictional character? Like, mm-hmm. that's not a real problem. Problem, you know, uh, and, and and so I was like, okay, that that's more of her p- 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 perspective and him kind of thinking about that of just like, hey, is everything I'm doing actually meaningless? Is it? No. Yes. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Know? Good scene though.
1: Hmm.
0: I I want to go ahead to what did you think about the ending?
2: did did you have like a specific or just in 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 general of like
0: that final shot because we've been talking a little bit about how there's all these fantastical things in the movie mm-hmm. that are many of them are just sort of imaginary but there's when you look at them not everything is necessarily disproven yeah. like uh the scene when Wriggen is trashing his dressing room and he's like he starts like physically like picking stuff up and throwing them and then he's like power blasting. He's like you know shooting psychic waves out of his hands to like blow stuff off the walls. Yeah. Like there's nothing telling us he didn't do that. Which there's is the also way there's nothing
2: really telling us that he didn't yes. actually like pick it up and throw it or, p- or it's punch all it. You know?
0: super, it's very ambiguous. Like yeah. nothing is really proven or disproven I mean, like I said at the beginning, like, I I don't think he went flying around New York City without anybody saying anything about it. So that one is like 99.9% of fantasy. But there's other things like smaller, like more quiet, private things that like you don't know. Mm -hmm. And the final bit of the movie is he's he gets up out of his hotel, uh, out of his hospital bed and he's standing on the ledge. That's the last time you saw him, and then you see Sam come in with like a bouquet of flowers, form or something, and she can't find him. And she looks out the window, and she has this almost like half a smile on her face. What like what did you interpret that final shot as? I
2: it's uh, it's it's one of those weird, almost Inception like things yes. where you don't really know what happened at the ending because he did get what he wanted right like his play was a huge success yeah um and so he 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 reached that high but at the same time it was kind of at the expense of everything else there's that Mm -hmm. hey meme what did it cost everything Mm -hmm. um and so there's this idea that he jumps out the window. Mm -hmm. and we don't see what happened so we don't know which direction he went and there's either he killed himself because he he finally reached that moment and he knows he's never gonna get it again it Mm. cost him everything might as well just go out on a bang, you know uh or there's this idea that hey he reached success so he's he's soren He's, yeah. he's flying, which she. I'm. I, yeah, Emma Stone looks down, and she's concerned, but she's looking around like she doesn't see anything, mm-hmm. though. So that's kind of my hint she- that. I mean, it's it's, it's still so ambigu- ambiguous because. Yeah. I, I, it might even just be her smiling, of her realizing that he found it, even though she d- doesn't necessarily believe in it.
1: Mm-hmm. If,
2: if that makes sense, I, yeah, it's, it's. I don't think you can say one way or no, another. No, yeah,
1: because
0: I. She does not look exactly like. Oh, my father jumped out of this window. She does not look like that. She, you know, she's not pointed down. She doesn't look that horrified. And it's not necessarily like, wow, look at my dad up there flying. It's not exactly either of those. It's this kind of like wistful, like wondrous slight smile to her that is, I think, a little bit more indicative of the magic realism than the, you know, falling to his death. I think it's more indicative of flight, but again, yeah.
2: that's, you don't know. That's and the if, one that I want to have happen, that he grew yeah. wings and flew off, you know?
0: I, I like that a lot. Like, this is a story about how how much art impacts you, how much it impacts an audience member. Like, he hasn't been in a Birdman movie in know, 10 or 15, 20 years, like a long time since he was Birdman. But people are still like, oh, my God, that's Birdman. Wow, Birdman. Like, imagine if Michael Keaton had done Batman and Batman Returns and then really hadn't done anything since then. Would he still be Batman to us today? Is I mean, he
2: still kind of is that. Mm. He's and so many that, more things, though. Right. I, I, I mean, he's, he's a fantastic a- a- actor and he's done a lot of things since then that have been fantastic. But mm-hmm. that's still one of his most recognizable roles. And so... That's kind of the meta narrative behind. Like, I like the I guess narrative after the a lot. too that it it it's it's like yeah, Michael Keaton in real life has found success after Batman, mm-hmm. but. We we still recognize him as Batman. We're still like, oh, that's Batman. We we know yeah. him as bat ba- Batman. So did he really get that success that he was looking for? <laughs> Who knows? You know. I,
0: what I was kind of aiming for was that as much as we like Batman here in our world, the people within this movie love Birdman just mm-hmm. as much or even more. Even if it was something that was just, and it doesn't seem like a constantly. Rebooted and revamped and reinterpreted franchise like Batman is to us. Like Birdman was one trilogy. A decade or more ago, in this world of the film, and people are still like, "Oh my God, Birdman! I loved Birdman! Like when he's getting he's in that little mini press junket inside his um, dressing room." Birdman there's, Four, you do Birdman yeah, Four? Yeah, sort
1: of <laughs> I love that one. Shit.
0: I don't know exactly who that guy is or why he's there, but he's like Birdman Four is like mentioned offhand, and he's so great. excited he just, at the concept of it. He just light bulb, just oh. oh. Yeah, yeah. And so people feel the audience feels so strongly about that piece of art. Mm -hmm. And art so strongly impacts the people who make it. Like, Riggin, you know, Birdman is a part of him for real. Like, he's got the voice inside his head. Is Birdman? We did that episode on Batman Beyond, which we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast where it's revealed that Bruce Wayne inside his head, refers to himself as Batman. And there's what I was
2: Bruce thinking about when I was talking to this. Bruce
0: calling him Batman. And this is Birdman talking to Reagan calling him Regan. But the voice isn't Regan's own voice. It's Birdman. Yeah. so that character, that piece of art made such a deep impact on him. Ultimately, I would like to believe that this, mo- this movie could make it real and believable that if that has touched you that deeply, you can manifest it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you have the spirit of Birdman in you, you can grow wings, you can have Birdman's powers.
2: Anyone can be Birdman. <laughs> I think the movie is
0: about like the impact that art has on you as an audience and as a creator yeah and it's so wondrous i would like to believe that it is more likely to have that kind of fantastical manifestation than to have a suicide
2: yeah that makes sense yeah that makes sense to me um final question for you i was looking at the wikipedia article article and uh i believe yeah so it describes this as a black comedy a Uh dark comedy i wanted to know if you agreed with that or not because i don't know if i do
0: it's got comedic moments for sure I don't know if it has enough of them for me to classify – I don't know if I'd necessarily classify this as a comedy or as a drama. Maybe a little bit more on the drama side despite,
2: you know, the funny moments. I would say more of a drama or like a psychological thriller, but –
0: Comedy? Yeah, no. it is like the lowest stakes psychological thriller. It's the lowest sure. stakes, most fun psychological thriller
2: you've philosophical ever philosophical psychological thriller. I don't know, <laughs> but but yeah, like e- e- even dark comedies don't have mm-hmm. to be laugh out loud funny. Yeah, is, is the thing. Mm-hmm. It's drier. It's darker. It's stuff like, ooh, I don't know if I should be laughing at that. uh And and I don't I don't feel like there was any of that. In here, like I, even in a, in a more theatrical sense of the word comedy, mm-hmm. like I, like I, I'm I'm thinking of like comedies versus tragedies.
0: Yeah, well, think back again to Shakespeare. Like, it's yeah. a comedy ends with a wedding, a tragedy ends with a death or a murder or a suicide or something like that. So, I guess if you take that old school definition,
2: this is More of a, a tragedy drama. i feel like yeah, yeah
0: yeah it's a tragedy
2: but it yeah so i, I don't not that i'm trying to sit here and debate the merits of the accuracy of <laughs> I wikipedia <know>. but, uh, <laughs> but no that's an interesting
0: but, thing to talk about like how would you pitch this to somebody because i originally pitched it to you as an unconventional superhero tale which is not definitively what it is. This can be viewed a lot of ways. And that's my favorite lens to use. Mm -hmm. There might be somebody who looks at it like as a very dramatic comedy or as a very comedic drama. You know, if they come from a different background or if there's different parts of the movie that they like most, the super heroic part of it is what I like most. So that's how I pitched it to you. And that's how I think about it.
2: Yeah. Um, what what other things might you recommend to someone who enjoyed this?
0: Uh, I, what do you have?
2: I was gonna say um, the episode that we just did on the review show here, Perfect Blue. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. This is like a direct meeting of Perfect Blue and the artist. Yeah, that 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 could work as well. Yeah, like I, it's. I think it's a difficult one to pinpoint um, mm-hmm. because there is so much happening in in this thing, um, but yeah, it is v- very much about like the philosophical merits of art and the, mm-hmm. the search for truth and meaning in life and the co- consequences that has, and that's that that's kind of the debate that Perfect Blue has of what is mm-hmm. the consequence of fame of stardom of being a pop icon you know Mm -hmm. know, of being this this big famous movie act actor Mm -hmm. or or actress um and so i i I think those go hand in hand if Mm -hmm. that makes sense but Outside of that, I'm struggling to...
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I I think of this through a superhero lens, and I don't know exactly what superhero story it's most like. Maybe kind of like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, because not just because it's also set in New York City, but it's got that kind of Mm -hmm. uh, high drama, like operatic quality the Spider-Man movies have to them, Mm, where it's like big tragedy and like the big comedy and things like that. Yeah. It's not such sense. like bold theatrical strokes to it. Yeah. That, and, you know, you think about like the, there's the green goblin bit where it's like the mask is sure. talking to him and the mask is haunting Harry. Oh, if I had to pick a superhero story that it reminded me of most, <laughs> oh, go back and watch the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies again.
2: Um, yeah. I, I I think that would be a good one. I mm-hmm. am pulling up the stuff uh, that I am going to Itches. Pitches.
1: Yeah.
2: And pulling up the third one, which is on
1: Netflix. Bam.
2: Let's see. Let's get. There we go the wikipedia is for all of these so i am going to pitch the stuff that we will be doing for this next episode yeah uh and let's start with this one pitch number Mm -hmm. one is a manga Mm -hmm. called knights of Sidonia. okay um this is a kind of sci-fi action mecha Mm-hmm. almost horror in, in certain oh. aspects it's pretty neat uh the story follows uh this one character whose name i am blanking on at the moment and i skimming through whatchamacallit uh here we go according to wikipedia the story <laughs> follows the adventures of uh guard pilot Nagate. uh who lived in the underground layers of Sidonia since his birth and was raised by his grandfather. Mm -hmm. Never having met anyone else, he trains himself in an old guardian pilot simulator every day until eventually mastering it. After his grandfather's death, he emerges to the surface and is selected as a guardian pilot, just Mm -hmm. as Sidonia is once again... Is once again threatened by the Guana. Okay. So there you go. It's this like kid who's this space pilot of this giant mecha, uh, and he has to to defend Sidonia from this alien threat. Mm Hmm. Uh, But it's super sci-fi. There's mecha. There's some horror aspects. Uh, I wanted to read the first four volumes of the manga. Okay. Um, there is also a Netflix adaptation of oh, this. Just f maybe that's why I've heard that name before. Uh, yeah, it's 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 on Netflix. I think they had two seasons, like twenty four episodes, mm. something like that. But yeah, I, I I watched the anime a long time ago. Uh, but I wanted to check out the manga and see what that's all about. That's pitch number one, Knights of Sidonia. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitch number two is an anime movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The it has two titles, kind of. Uh, the okay. One I, the, the one I knew it as when I first found it was Terror in Tokyo. Mm. Uh But it, it is also I think the actual name is Terror in R- R- Resonance terror in resonance Um, okay and this is a it's it's an alternate version of present-day tokyo that is hit Mm -hmm. by a 9-11 like oh terrorist attack um and the only evidence of the culprits is this cryptic video that they uploaded to the internet uh which sparks paranoia and all that stuff uh there's a big uh like, search to go find them and figure out who they are and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. In 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 this though, you get both of the perspectives. It's not okay. just we have no idea who it is and we're t- trying to figure it out, but we see the cops investigate, but we also see the perspective of the terrorists of mm. of the people perpetrating this uh thing, and it's it's kind of an interesting one. Uh, there's okay. a lot of cat and mouse kind of detective stuff. How would you going like? What genre
0: well. would you put it this in? Is it more just like sort of a, a crime mystery sort of thing, or is it like a political thriller?
2: Less political, thriller, okay. More like mystery, crime, psychological okay. th- thriller <laughs> type right. of thing. Uh, but it is also, um, it's directed by Shinichiro Watanabe. Uh, who is very famous for doing Cowboy Bebop yes. and Space Dandy and okay. stuff like that. And we also covered Kids on the Slope. Um,
0: oh, that's right.
2: Yeah, I did, forgot he also did, did, did that. One, which is one of my favorite ones. Yeah, A uh. lot of his stuff is very influenced by music. Um, and hmm. he often collaborates with Yoko Kano to do the music music. Uh, she's in a band called the Seatbelts, which did the mm-hmm. music for K- 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 K Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. This one less focused on music, however, the music is still really good, uh, and it is more of like a like a techno electronic okay. type of thing. So there is this like urgency to you know how we Mm. we we talked about the drum beat makes you very tense and yeah anxious and this i think kind of gives you the same feeling in a different aspect of just like it it, it is this like constant pounding of this electronic stuff if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but again it's a lot less focused on the music, despite me talking about it mm-hmm. now, so that's pitch number two: "Terror in Tokyo" or "Terror in Resonance." Mm-hmm. Both both names work. Pitch number three is a Netflix original movie, uh, or at least one that they have the rights to to stream. Um, mm-hmm. It is a Spanish crime film. Oh, called "The Warning." I think I pitched it on here before? I don't remember if I have it. I don't recognize not. this. So this is a crime story uh, mm-hmm. and there is this guy who's been investigating these two murders that happened in the p- p- past and he discovers a connection between them. Um, mm-hmm. Besides that they happened at the same place. He's He's basically figuring out that there is a pattern and it is based mm-hmm. off of this formula, the, this this algorithm that he's come up with. And so he's figured out that there's going to be another one happening. And he's trying to stop it from happening. Um, and it is a, I, I believe in Spanish, it is called uh, El Aviso, which I believe is mm-hmm. the warning. That sounds like it checks out. Uh, so there you go. That's all I know about that one. It's been on my mm. Netflix List for a while, for a while, and I thought, why not? Let's just pitch pitch that one. Okay, that's pitch number three. Pitch number one was Knights of Sidonia, volumes one through four.
1: Pitch number
2: two was Terror in Resonance, and pitch number three was The Warning. What are you feeling like?
0: I am really intrigued. I'm really intrigued by Terror in Tokyo.
2: Sounds good to hey,
0: me. I like the other stuff by that creator. I I like the idea of a crime mystery disaster film. Oh, that's yeah. always a, a plot thread that intrigues me, that sort of conflict of recovering after a major piece of disaster or destruction. Wow, that's that's Definitely. I want to see how that plays out after hearing you describe it. That's the thing I'm most intrigued Check. to see. Okay, what does all of this amount to? What does this actually look like? So there
2: is 11 episodes of this. Oh, I thought you so said it was a movie. Uh no, th- th- this is an anime series. I I may have said it was yeah, a movie, you but that was, said it was my a movie. fault. Uh no, it's it's an it's an 11 episode Anime, uh, So a little bit longer than a m- m- movie, but uh, they're all okay. 20 minutes. Where'd you
0: find this at?
2: Episodes. Uh, I, I watched this a long time ago. Uh, so I, I, I'm i not sure off the t- top of my head where you can watch it now. I think I've seen it on either Hulu or Netflix recently, uh, but I'm sure it is pretty easy to find. Okay, I'm
0: out there searching for it now.
2: But yeah that's 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 the one that we will believe end up doing for this next week yeah that
0: sounds interesting
2: uh we already did housekeeping and all of that i don't have the social media stuff to pop up at the, the end here but nonetheless melissa where can people find you
0: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkieWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. Oh, I just found it on Hulu under the Terror in Resonance title.
2: Perfect. I thought it was on one of those. On Hulu. Go watch it on Hulu then. uh, Sorry, can you mention your social media, 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 media stuff one more time?
0: Okie doke, yeah, it's uh Twitter and Instagram. That's Wilkywit, W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T.
2: Perfect. Uh, and you guys can find me at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want updates with this show, we are at the WhatNots on tw- on Twitter. Uh, and you guys can always find us on our website, theWhatNots.com. There you go.
1: Uh, we will see you guys
2: next week. This has been episode 53 of the what- review show adios guys bye